son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast if you like what you're listening to. If you give five bucks a month, you get ad-free episodes, and we appreciate it. And Jessica is back, and it's not just me again. Spooky Halloween, everybody. I want my five dollars back. Um... Hemant has the privilege to sit in my house as it's almost all the way decorated for Halloween because I'm having a party this weekend that Hemant is coming to remind me again. Remind me again? Yes. You're a fucking liar. I am not coming because I have kids and they have issues. Ugh, worst. I know. Um, but yeah, I'm back. Um, hey, it was, thank you to everybody who came out, um, in Portland to our meetup. It was such a fun night. Um, we had a really, really nice time, um, got to get to know a bunch of great people and, uh, I really appreciate it. Also, Hemet, almost everybody was like 15 minutes early. Whoa. Like everybody had the exact same idea. Like, okay, I'm going to go there like half hour early and grab some food and before the meetup started. And so I sat and so I did that with my friends, Lee and Amanda and like immediately five people were like, are you Jessica? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I guess I am eating with my new friend. <laughs> Nicely done. But yeah, it was great. Good times. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm debating. I, I thought I would start with a happy story because we never have them. Oh. And I have like two-ish. <gasps> I know. I know. It's very weird. Uh, so in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, there's a, a, a school district uh, where there's a Pencrest High School. And if you look in their student handbook, they have their dress code. Uh-huh. And if you look in the dress code, it says students shouldn't dress uh, or in any manner that advocates illegal or antisocial behavior, blah, blah, blah. I mean, nothing there is out of the ordinary. But then they list specifics that you can't wear. Okay. And it includes, you know, anything that advocates violence, that's sexually suggestive, uh, double entendres, like we know what you're doing. Uh, anything that's disrespectful, so far so good. And then yeah. the last thing on the list is you can't wear anything that is satanic in nature. Yeah, oh, that's pretty specific for use at a public school. Yeah, 
Um, and so, like, what is that, that even? It feels like it was a leftover from the 80s and somebody forgot to cross it out. That is exactly what I was thinking. Like, what do they yeah. mean by satanic? Are we Where's panicking you? again? Like, what is the issue here? Uh, and, I mean, if they're saying you, you, don't, you can't wear anything evil... Well, like, kind of be more specific about that. Like, what are you saying? There are arguments to be made that the Catholic Church is evil. So, And so recently, I guess earlier this month in October, uh, a guy named Joseph Rose, who is the founder of a local group called Satanic Delco, Delaware County, um, which is not affiliated with any of the national satanic groups. It's Mm -hmm. an independent group. Mm -hmm. But they are Satanists uh, in the same vein, as the other satanic groups, in that we don't believe Satan is real. We are ethical Satanists, that sort uh-huh. of metaphorical thing. He reached out to the school district and is like, what's up with this? You can't do that. Yeah. Uh, he said, you know, their website says we're Satanists. We believe in compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. And after several weeks of sending the school district message after message, uh-huh. it finally worked. <gasps> And so, first of all, here's what he said. The idea that a public school would allow religious expression in school, but choose to single out and prohibit the expression of one specific religion obviously seemed like a problem for us. Uh And after a month of emails, the superintendent this week sent out a message that said, although we've had no complaints or concerns brought forward by any student, parent, or resident, Uh, we will remove this language from our current dress code information in the student handbook. The so, true heroes of our time. I know. They did uh, upload a new handbook. It uh-huh. does not have that final uh, bullet point in it. So, yay. What I was very amused by is that a local like ABC News affiliate did a story on this, and they found a couple... I, I'm guessing they found Facebook commenters, mm-hmm. and they're like, let's reach out to these crazy people. And they found... Uh, here's one woman. Uh, her name is Lisa. I wouldn't want a satanic or cultish anything on clothing in schools, which way to miss that story. Real brave and neat. Like, who are you standing up against? (laughs) And wait, haven't gotten to Donna. Here's what Donna says. It's like a free speech issue. Are they going to allow Nazis to be able to put symbols on kids' shirts and send them to school? Said Donna. Okay, Donna, let's let's all take it easy about the Nazi symbolism, Donna. Really, we can't call people Nazis anymore in the year of our Lord 2021 because Lord knows we don't know if we're kidding or not about it. Aye, so, aye, hey, aye. kids, you can wear satanic gear, I guess. Uh, don't make it mean. But, hey, if you have Satan on your shirt, yeah. do, do it for Donna yeah. is what I'm saying. Donna will really, really enjoy your... <laughs> I think it will just be like a thoughtful contribution to the the discourse about, you know, religious freedom. Right. And I think Donna has a lot of interesting points. Maybe <laughs> we should just listen for a second. Uh, Liberty University is in the news. It was in the news while you were gone over and over and over uh-huh. for different reasons entirely. And I was debating as I'm staring at my sheet here, which version of the Liberty story should I do first? Is it all I know is that is there more sexual assault stuff that's come uh, out? Kind of. Okay. Uh, here's the first one that's not sexual assault related. Great. Since we're talking what about what a fun break Liberty. for me. I know. Um, Liberty University. Uh, remember a while back? This is twenty. Was it twenty nineteen? Twenty nineteen. 
Uh, Jerry Falwell Jr., who was the then president of mm-hmm. Liberty University, he said, I want to start a think tank. And everyone's yes. like, when have you ever had thoughts over there? And <laughs> then he's like, enough to warrant a tank. <laughs> right. And then he's like, don't worry, I'll make it better. I'm going to bring Charlie Kirk, the conservative activist, along, and we'll call it the Falkirk Center. He should have <laughs> called it a think bowl. Like, get a little goldfish, oh. put it in a bowl. You don't need a full tank for your thoughts, my dude. <laughs> Go ahead. A shot glass tank. Thing. <laughs> yeah, a think shot glass. Yes. Uh, so the Falkirk Center launched, and obviously everyone's looking at this like, what are you people up to? And how are you scamming money from people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, here's the thing. if you There are you know, normal think tanks out there. Yeah. They have money behind them. Mm -hmm. They produce policy papers, research papers. They give lectures, basically trying to advocate for a particular point of view. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to like what they say, but like, that's not weird. They have the right to exist. They can do their thing. So the question is, okay, well, what are you all advocating for? What academic scholarly things are you all doing at this think tank, Mm -hmm. if you're calling it a think tank? Because all we are seeing is that you get, like, the Fox News rejects, uh-huh. your Jenna Ellis's, your Eric Metaxi's. Right, right. And then you put them on your fellows list, and then you tweet out, like, right-wing memes. It's like, that's pretty much all you do. So why are you here? And like, so they're doing the job of a 14-year-old kid in their mom's basement. Like, <laughs> yes. you don't need a think tank which, to, to, to grind out memes, Which is Chad. the only talent Charlie Kirk has. Uh-huh. And so it turns out this week, there's a former Liberty administrator, Scott Lamb, who's at the center of like all the stories this week. He got fired, I think, at the beginning of the month. And he has since filed a lawsuit against Liberty, which we'll we'll get into that in a bit. He revealed to Politico this week, I have a secret recording of a phone call with the new president of Liberty University, whose name is Jerry uh, Prevo or Prevo. Uh Um, It's another Jerry. But he's like, no, I have a phone call with that guy where he basically admits that this think tank is basically just a way to provide cover so that they can get Republicans elected. It's There's no issue yeah. they care about. They only want to get conservatives into office, which... Is you a say thing. that as if it's revealing something new to me when I right. deeply understood that this is their mission all along. So here's here's the part of the story from Politico. Okay. Um, in the phone call, Jerry Prevo says to Scott Lamb, who is one of the administrators at Liberty, mm-hmm. are they getting people elected, which is one of our main goals? Which is like, that's a little, uh, you're not even subtle on the nose, bud. Yeah. Are they really motivating our conservative people to really get out to vote? If they are, we ought to be seeing some changes in elected officials. And we are to some extent. All I want to do is make us more effective. More white. Yeah. So <laughs> this is, again, here's the thing. I know we all thought that's what they were doing anyway. Right. But when you actually put it out there and say, look, our entire purpose here is to get conservative Republicans elected. Mm-hmm. You aren't doing a thing that a nonprofit university is allowed to do you're serving as like a political action committee that's a different thing you gotta pay taxes like you don't get to do that under the guise of we're just a nonprofit school that's what i was going to ask um about think tanks because i have heard it more as a conceptual idea is there any like nonprofit aspect to it or is it just like a regular like is there any reason we should be suspicious of like their tax bullshit um i wish i knew a better answer to this but i there are conservative think tanks there are liberal think tanks Sure. Um, even the ones that are conservative, 
I haven't heard of them. I mean, certain ones anyway, the big ones, they seem to be on the up and up in terms of saying we advocate for these conservative policies under these arguments. And you can argue that they're wrong or they're using wrong information or whatever, but not like they're scamming the system. But in the governmental sense, a think tank is just any other bullshit company. It's not a nonprofit that we have to like keep an eye on or has special. The question I don't know the answer to is, are they nonprofits necessarily? I'll um, look it up. But when you, yeah, please, when you are doing it under the guise of a nonprofit, but you are clearly playing politics, it's the same argument sure. we have when churches and pastors get up on the pulpit, right? Uh, in the pulpit, and they say, you all need to vote for this candidate. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. You can't tell people how to vote. You can always say, in this church, we oppose marriage equality, sure. which is stupid bullshit, but also you're allowed to do that. Right. But there's a difference between advocating for an issue which you're always allowed to do, mm-hmm. even when you're a nonprofit, because that's what some of them are based on, right. versus telling people you have to vote for this candidate. And like even the smarter nonprofits know about the loopholes. The loopholes say, well, we can't tell you who to vote for, but we made a scorecard of how every candidate believes on our issues. Turns out every Democrat got an F from the NRA or some bullshit yeah, like yeah. that. Like, whatever, that's still legal. You're within the boundaries there. Um, What they're doing here, they shouldn't be doing. I'll add one thing here. Um, By the way, Jerry Prevo said, yeah, we're like, I have a 501c3 church. I know what I'm doing. And clearly, uh, because Scott Lamb is pushing back, saying we can't just have a think tank to get people elected. And this guy's like, yeah, we can. I know how to do this stuff. Uh, So there's that. So think tank, most of them... Um, operate as a 501c3. So nonprofits. So they are a nonprofit, which is interesting. I I guess that was a... a But they're not out there telling you how to vote. They're telling you, here's how we feel about taxes, guns, whatever. Right. Which, yes. So that's Scott Lamb saying, okay, at this school... By the way, I should say, the Falkirk Center, uh, Scott Lamb is the guy who said, we're not renewing our contract with Charlie Kirk. He said that last year. And then the whole place changed its name to, mm-hmm. like, Standing for Liberty Think Tank. And they haven't done Jack since then, yeah. really. Um, but anyway, that's kind of what they were arguing about. So that's part one of Liberty doesn't really know what it's doing right oh, now. Oh, boy. What a mess. Um, here's part two in our trilogy here. Oh, God, it's a trilogy. I know, I know. So we're at the two towers. Uh-huh. So there was a bill that was being debated in the U.S. House this week. Yes. It would reauthorize the Family Violence and Prevention Services Program, which all you need to know about it is it helps victims of domestic violence. Helps victims. Okay. So good. We yeah. want this thing Overall, to pass. strong. Will the Senate pass it? Who knows? That's a separate issue. Yeah. But the House is debating this. And Republicans, as usual, are against it mm-hmm. because yay, because it's helping violence. somebody. Yes. And because it's helping like, someone we through cannot. the government. I mean, realistically, we, it's, we don't want the government helping anybody. Know, anybody. Um, so anyway, one of the people who spoke out against the bill is a Republican named Bob Good, who's from Virginia. He's a congressman for from Virginia. Yes, I we, bet Bob Good is in fact bad. Thank you for making the most obvious joke. I appreciate it because I was thinking it as well. Welcome. You're welcome. Yes. Uh, so here's Guys, that was just off the top of my head. I don't even write this stuff in advance. <laughs> <laughs> so Bob Good, why is he arguing against this bill? Because he's might stupid and bad, I bet. Why? So he says uh, domestic violence and all these other societal problems mm. and stuff. Wait, wait, wait. Yep. Can I just take Please? a swing at Can, his you statement? You get one guess. Okay. 
um, what, what was it, domestic violence, are not problems in our laws. It's a problem in our Bibles. Ever since we banished Jesus from the schools and the churches, probably, um, that's why there's domestic violence. Close. There was famously never domestic violence in the Bible. You've hit the dartboard. Yeah, okay. I mean, you're on there. I'll take Here's it. Here's what he said. Quote, nearly everything that plagues our society can be attributed to a failure to follow God's laws for morality. Bing bong. And his rules for and definition of marriage and family. <laughs> so because we let gay people get married, that's why you have domestic violence. You These think this bill will help monsters. victims? Um, so why is this part of our trilogy, you might be asking? I'm always asking. <laughs> Bob Good, his yeah. former job before he became a congressman, was fundraiser for Liberty University's athletic program. Oh, God. Is there a more pointless job? <laughs> Give me more money so we can football real good. Yeah, football. Hey, guess what? I've t- I, in my uh, late 30s, I'm turning onto an, anti, an anti-sports uh, lady. More on that later. <laughs> yes, more on that later. Here's part three of our trilogy. Yes, yeah, This is all f- also from Scott Lamb. Uh-huh. Um, uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. I take the back. Not Scott Lamb right now. Oh, but remember Scott. remember about a month or two ago, we talked about uh, about 12 or 13 women had filed a lawsuit against Liberty saying yes. we were sexually assaulted. We reported it. Mm-hmm. Liberty did not take us seriously or we were afraid to go to them because we knew they weren't going to take us seriously. And all of that violates the federal Title IX guidelines that basically should have protected us. There mm-hmm. is... If you are a school that gets federal funding in any way, you have to follow certain guidelines. Liberty isn't doing that. Right. So what we got this week, ProPublica's Hannah Dreyfus spoke with several victims, one of whom I would argue is one of the anonymous women in the lawsuit because their stories match up perfectly. Oh, uh uh-huh. Though she did not say that in her piece, which I found weird. Okay. Um, But also other women who may or may not be part of the lawsuit. So these are additional women. And basically the argument is... Because of Liberty's rules, the Liberty Way, mm-hmm. their guide, their school policy guidebook that says, you know, no sex, no drinking, mm-hmm. nothing like that when you're not married. Because of that, if a woman said, you know, I went to a party and a guy assaulted me, they, their basic stance is, well, what were you wearing? Mm-hmm. That's their entire policy. That's, yeah. that's the impression you get. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go through all the details this time. Okay. Um, but one of the things that came up is... Uh, According to one of the victims who spoke with the reporter here, she said that as her case was moving through the system, Liberty said she needed to sign a document acknowledging that she could be found to have violated the university's code of conduct. Like, hey, we know you drank at this party. Mm -hmm. You need to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. if you want us to, like, take your case seriously. And it's it's just one of those things where they are doing this under the guise. uh, and, And it reflects the, like patriarchal Christian system because it's a sin is a sin. Mm-hmm. And so a man raping you is a sin, but so too is you drinking alcohol. Yeah, so and you both wearing sinned. a thing and you making out yeah, with him. So all I of guess this. it all comes out in the wash. Yeah. And you fa- did one sin, you got one <laughs> sin at you. Sorry. There were some people defending Liberty saying, look, they just want to make sure she's aware of what she did for the problem. They weren't dismissing her assault. Fucking jump up your own ass with oh, that I'm bullshit. I'm right there with you. Um, this is from the ProPublica article. Yeah. Ten more former students told me they chose not to report their rapes to campus officials amid fear of being punished. I knew I would face the blame for putting myself in that situation. 
said another alum who said she was assaulted by a Liberty student. <laughs> Here's another part of this. Liberty's lead investigator in their equity office, the mm-hmm. person whose job it is to follow Title IX guidelines, Alisa mm-hmm. uh, Bucci, she now works as a Title IX investigator at Baylor, another private Christian school. Huh. So, like, she's here because she clearly didn't do anything at Liberty to help these women and magically, she just got a job at another school doing the same thing because they always fail upwards. Yeah, oh, it here's... sounds yeah, it sounds similar to the Catholic Church, and I can't put my finger on why, but <laughs> something about it. Um, Scott Lamb, he did show up in this story. That's oh, why good. I mentioned him. We missed him. Um, Sir she, Lamb trilogy. The reporter for ProPublica, yeah. after speaking to all these women and getting this piece ready for publication does the thing all good journalists do, and she sends Liberty a series of questions. Like, uh-huh. we want to know how you reacted to this. Is this a fair assessment of what you did? Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, we never got a response from Liberty when it came to those questions, the detailed questions we sent them. But Scott Lamb came, said to the reporter, now that he's fired uh-huh. <laughs> and not working for them anymore. Did he find his spine? Uh-huh. He said uh, in an interview with the reporter, the emails from ProPublica were definitely ignored, said Lamb. He recalled himself and one colleague trying to make a case for the school to respond. We huh. said, listen, the optics of this are killing us. Is there anything we can message? Something? A message about empathy? Or that we're at least working to get to the bottom of this? And then it dawned on us, they're not working to get to the bottom of this. What? Listen, the what? the They're number not? of people who worked at Liberty what? who had it's remember we talked about the athletes who go to Liberty on scholarship because um, they want a Division One, uh-huh. uh, they want to play for a Division One team. Fucking Division One, but one. then they have no idea what they're stepping into. All they know is I got a scholarship, yeah, and like you can't be mad at them for accepting a full ride if for basketball or football or something. Mm. But then afterwards they realize, oh, oh, this is a crazy school. Oh no, I've entered a cult accidentally. I kind of feel sympathy for the college students because whatever, I don't expect you to know everything about the Mm -hmm. school. Scott Lamb, an administrator at Liberty, for him to be like, I don't think they care about the women at this school. Like, dude, where were you? I think this pool is wet. Can you believe it? He added in the interview with Uh the reporter, concerns about sexual assault would go up the chain and then die. He said it was, quote, a conspiracy of silence. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah. Welcome to the (laughs) 1920s. We are past this. We know this is going on. Just. okay. (laughs) I feel like once a year or so, I have to listen to a. Uh, known man, I was going to say famous man, a known man discover rape or discover the patriarchy or discover glass ceilings. Like, or some Republican who says, well, I uh, have a daughter and uh, I now know as hurting a father women. Of daughters. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, I now know like, hurting women is it bad. Is, it is the Republicans <laughs> in 2002 having a gay nephew all it's Obama coming to, coming to terms with marriage equality. Like, well, my kids have a friend with lesbian parents, and now I support marriage oh equality. Oh, my God. So like, brave. Come on, man. Jesus. But, like, <laughs> it's all, like, 
Okay, yeah, fine, good, he, he he got to the end of the book, but we have been screaming it at him for literally his entire life, so, like, maybe miss me with, can you believe this? It's almost like nobody cares about women. Can I mean, I know that's not it, but there must be something going on. Jesus good Christ, times. these fucking people. Uh, Every week with these people, they come in with something new. I do enjoy that Scott Lamb is suing them. And like, yeah, I'm rolling my eyes at everything he's saying. Like, how do you not know, dude? Do you know who you work for? You voluntarily work for Jerry Falwell and you like suddenly figured out he was a bad guy. This guy thinks I knew who his father was when I was a fetus. I mean, (laughs) and I wasn't paying attention. No, what he is trying to frame himself as is Finn from the new (laughs) Star Wars movies of like, yeah, I was a stormtrooper, but I have a heart of gold and I'm going to get out. (laughs) But what he really is, is just like one of those sandworms. He's of no purpose. He's a blob of nothing. And I don't think about him ever. Ouch. Yeah. I don't right. Are there sandworms in Star Wars? No, I think you're thinking of Dune. I don't know. <laughs> I might be um, of Dune if, or Beetlejuice. If it's I'm out moving you, something is wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, so interesting article. We're done with Liberty for now. Mm. Uh, okay, moving on to something that is not Liberty related. Uh. Uh, when when Donald Trump was in office, you know, there was this trend that was going on for several years of people shifting away from organized religion. Yeah. And that was continuing even with Trump. And I would argue because of Trump, uh, yeah. it's probably going to go faster. But we won't, momentum there. we won't really see the effects of that for a few years still. I still think it's a pretty good hypothesis. <laughs> so um, here's a thing that was very interesting. Recently, the Pew Research Center came out with an analysis of some of their data. And one thing they found is that, yeah, overall, people are moving away from organized religion. We've uh-huh. known that for a while. There mm-hmm. are more nuns than ever before, mm-hmm. uh, N-O-N-E-S. But one specific religious denomination has not gone down Ooh. with the trend. Can I guess? Which? Ooh, okay. It's not, not gone really down a trick tr- question. Oh, no, no, no. I, I don't. I, um, can I guess? I'm going to guess Islam. Uh, I think in the U.S. they were the same trends as always, as a little always? less. But okay, like, who bucked the trend? White evangelicals, well, of course, right? Like, okay, I I was gonna guess that. I was like, Jessica, that's too obvious. You can't yeah. always blame white evangelicals. I know. Um, <laughs> Pew said they went from about twenty five percent of the population in twenty sixteen mm-hmm. to about twenty nine percent in 2020 that makes me feel bad in my heart and so here's the question why would it have gone up what is it that is drawing people to embrace the evangelical label because they're breeding like crazy because they do not believe in birth control and so they're just popping out babies at an irresponsible rate sorry no that's what they say about immigrants i don't know what it is (laughs) so that would have had i mean if that was the case that would have been something that happened a long time ago because everyone yeah. they're talking to are adults. Oh. So it's not just the baby thing. Okay, tell me. So here's my concern. My first thought was there are two options. One is maybe Trump has something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but why would anyone become an evangelical for real because of Trump? That seems weird because Trump wasn't. I mean, he's a hypocrite. He did lip service to Christians, but why would anyone like... I Trump spoke and then I found Jesus. Right. That doesn't make do we, sense. Okay, before we go any further, do we have answers or are we just both? Yes. Oh, we do yes. have answers. Okay, then I would like to guess. Yes. Then if there is an answer. I mean, the, and the other one, the oh, other yeah, yeah, flip side of that is, is there something about a religious conservatism that is anti 
gay, anti-trans, anti-woman, anti-science, mm-hmm. anti-vax, that actually draws in a lot of disaffected people who are like, well, they seem very confident and proud about yeah. all these things they hate. And, and I like, it's like why people are drawn to Joe Rogan. Well, it's like, <laughs> he sounds like he knows what he's talking about, yeah. and I don't care he's if he's right. so loud, so he must be yeah. right. So it's like, well, what's the reason people are shifting over? Because it's not like there's been a revival, and if there's been some religious revival, it's not affecting any other sure. brand of Christianity. So uh, without you can guess... But Ryan Burge of Eastern Illinois University, who we've uh-huh. talked about many times, who does a lot of data analysis, he has a theory for this. So my guess would be that it has to do with people being drawn to clans and tend to follow leaders. And I feel like the sort of Trumpism of it all awoke a lot of people and the Venn diagram of there are so many Trump supporters that were also evangelical Christians. It stands to reason that those people who were never into religion, never into politics, all of a sudden were obsessed with Trump. They start going to these rallies. It mixes all the same people. Hey, here's a church. They all believe the same thing as me. You're pretty, you're, you're closer on the dark Fuck board yeah. than you were before. Yes. Yes. Here's what Burge says. And again, it, this isn't an answer. This is a theory based on the evidence he has. Mm-hmm. Here's what he's saying. Uh, many Americans have, who have begun to embrace the evangelical identity are people, here's what he noticed. They don't attend church. That and this is oh, this is the thing that he saw that said there's something else going on here than religion. He said most of the people who are shifting to evangelicalism, according to Pew, are people who hardly ever attend religious services. Oh. For for instance, in 2008, only 16 percent of self-identified evangelicals said I go to church never or seldom. Uh-huh. Only 16 percent. But in 2020, that number jumped to 27%. Wow. So, and in 2008, a third of evangelicals who did not attend church said they were conservative. Mm-hmm. And now that's about 50%. Wow. So there is this mix. He's real. This is what Burge is saying. And he writes this in a New York Times guest essay that got a lot of traction this week. He's basically saying they're not embracing the religious aspect of evangelicalism. And here's the thing. If you are evangelical, there are, I mean, we can all debate, like, what does a true Christian believe? Because when it comes to evangelical Christianity, Mm -hmm. what is it that they all have in common? It like, you can say, well, they're all anti, yeah, is it racism? (laughs) Are they all anti-gay? And they're not. And and yes. (laughs) (laughs) There there are pockets of self-described evangelicals who would say, there's no contradiction between my faith and I'm progressive Christian. And, like, I do want to share the gospel, but I do genuinely support gay people and same-sex rights yeah. and all that stuff. So it's like, well, that that's not the thing. The hate is mm-hmm. not the thing that binds you all together. So, like, what is it? And it turns out, like, if you ask people uh, who are in the know about this stuff, there are a few things that bind these people together. They have to be born again. Mm-hmm. They have to accept that Jesus died for their sins. Mm-hmm. They have to... Uh, uh, believe in like a literal literal interpretation of the Bible. Uh-huh. Um, they have to be uh, spread the gospel. They sure. want to spread the gospel. Those are the things like every white evangel, every evangelical would say, yeah, those four are like, everyone the has to thing. agree to that. After that, we'll argue even if there's 90% agreement. Uh-huh. Okay. Here's what uh, Burge is saying now. He's saying, well, what do all these people have in common? Cause they're not going to church. They're not falling in lockstep with this. 
And what he basically boils it down to is that the thing drawing them in, like you said, is Trump. And he adds that there are actually Catholics who would describe themselves as white evangelical, white Catholics who would say, I'm evangelical, and Mormons who would call themselves evangelical. And he's like, but you're not, but you're saying you are. Yeah, but evangelical (laughs) just sounds like a modifier. I'm an evangelical Christian. I'm an evangelical Mormon. (laughs) And so here's what Birch says. What it means to be an evangelical, what it means to be evangelical is being radically remade. It used to be that when many people thought about evangelicalism, they conjured up an image of a fiery preacher imploring them to accept Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, the data indicate that more and more Americans are conflating evangelicalism with republicanism and melding two forces to create a movement that's not entirely about politics Mm -hmm. or religion, but power. Hmm. If I were to interpret this, he's basically saying a lot of people said, well, I love the MAGA rallies, I support Donald Trump, and I want to broadcast myself all of that. And like, yeah, you could wear a red hat and that's one way of showing your allegiance. But another way is just telling people, yeah, I'm evangelical. Maybe not because you're not Christian, but like that's the identifier you're using. We love labels. People love to be labeled. It makes life easier and it makes our brains work better. And I was trying to think about this, like, okay, let's say that's true. Let's say a lot of these evangelicals, especially the Mm -hmm. more recent embracers of the label Mm -hmm. if burge's theory here is true think about what that means it means a lot more church services would look like political rallies Mm -hmm. which is absolutely happening oh it's totally happening and hopefully that turns a lot of people off of church yeah yeah i mean and not just at like greg glock's circus tent in tennessee (laughs) but like a lot of other places uh, they preach about politics more than they preach about the gospel or jesus yeah yeah um it would suggest Donald Trump, for all the things people have said about how he's totally taken over the Republican Party, no, he also co-opted, like, an entire religion for himself. Oh, my God, and, like, a fucking third of the country. And think about that. If Trump says one thing and Jesus said another, Uh where are these people going? They're totally following Trump. It's It's scary. It's truly wild. It means Christian nationalism really is one of the greatest threats we face Uh in America. And we've known that for years. It means critics of conservative Christianity. Hello. Uh, We Uh, were totally right when we've said forever that white evangelicals don't actually give a damn about Jesus. I love being right. It's <laughs> among were, my favorite feelings. I mean, this was true decades ago, but like it was so glaringly obvious over the Trump years. And it also means, I think, that there are a lot of pastors. I think we may have discussed this last time. Maybe not. If, uh, I forgot when this came out. But there are a lot of pastors who are silent about politics from the pulpit. They think it has no place there, mm-hmm. which, okay, I, I understand that. There are actually... Very few pastors who talk about politics, very conservative politics, from the pulpit. That's a survey that came out recently, too. Okay. But it means that the silent ones, I'm not asking them to endorse Democrats. No. But they do have an obligation to speak out against the crazies and to speak out against Trumpism. Right. And to call out, like, the mega crazies in their own congregations. Right. Because if you're preaching the gospel and you're preaching the message of Jesus— and you have Trump supporters in your crowd, right. you suck at your job. Mm-hmm. Your message is not getting through to them. Right. So you need to do a better job of pushing against the lies that your colleagues in the pulpit are doing. Um, 
And also, I'm very curious what this means for the future of evangelical Christianity, because younger Christians, I mean, yeah, white evangelicals, even younger ones do embrace Trump, Mm -hmm. um, but not as overwhelmingly as the old ones. Mm -hmm. So what do you do if you're a young evangelical Christian who isn't a fan of Trump? But like if I met you or something, I'm totally assuming you're a fan. You I think you now have an obligation to either shed the evangelical label or really show the world why you don't support Trump. Mm-hmm. That has to be like a driving force in what you do. Right. So. Right. Yeah, I, I like, I, I, I kind of like this image of these people getting drawn into Christianity. Because <sighs> it makes me think a year, like probably 10 years ago now, on Ono Ross and Carey, one of their first big deep dives was into Mormonism. And they fully like went, did the whole thing and did all the shit and got baptized into the Mormon church. Mormon temple. Yeah. Mormon temple. Yeah. Okay. I just second guess myself for a second. Um, and I can like the, they were talking about like people are texting me all the time. They're reaching out and probably for somebody who has felt ignored for their whole life, somebody being interested in them for their church is really, really exciting. And then you get to everything and then you get baptized and then now you're just a member of the church and you're expected to show up every Sunday <laughs> and tithe. And that probably isn't as fun as people like showing them the way. So that totally makes sense of like, yeah, this is going to be great. And then you show me like, Oh, there's homework. I yeah. hate this part. Um, part two of the same story. We've talked about a lot about the, of multi parts in I this know. one. Uh, Josh Mandel, he's the former Ohio lawmaker. He's the former state treasurer in Ohio, and now he's running for Senate. Okay. Uh, one that of the, name rings a bell, but I don't know why. We've, we've discussed Have him a we? few times. Um, he's running for the Republican nomination for a U.S. Senate seat in Ohio. Um, he's one of the guys. Is it's, he primary in Kasich? Um, I think it's an open seat. Oh. Someone's retiring. But it's an open Republican seat. Okay. And he's running for it. There's a guy, J.D. Vance, who's running for it. Oh, that guy. That guy. Oh, so, boy. So um, they have their conservative picks here. And during a debate, a panel discussion or something, yeah. among the Republicans, mm-hmm. he was. everyone was asked, what's the greatest crisis facing our kids? And what, if anything, could you do about it? Okay. Uh, here's Mandel's answer. I think the worst thing happening to kids today is that the secular left, the fake news media, the Uniparty in Washington. The what? The Uniparty. One party control. The Uniparty in oh. Washington. They're trying to take God out of all aspects of society. You know where this is going. Finally, dot, dot, dot. he heard my letters. Uh-huh. Um, he goes on to say, they, these people, these leftists, they advance the argument that the separation of church and state exists and that... And for that reason, you cannot teach kids about religion. My personal feeling is there's no such thing as separation of church and state. The framers of the Constitution envisioned a country where, in the classroom, kids would learn about God. I don't think they did. I don't think they did either. Um, This guy has been reading David Barton's books, I think. (laughs) And I think he's a little bit confused about what the Founding Fathers thought and said. Founding Fathers thought a lot of things. And wrote down for for perpetuity so we could all keep reading it and not have little (laughs) snakes like David Barton. And this guy, what's his name? Uh, Josh Mandel. Fuck him. There's no such thing as separation of church and state. That should be a disqualifier. Other Republicans tend to say that sort of thing in code. He's just flat out saying quiet, the quiet part, part out loud. Yep. Yep. And, and again, he's lying about a lot of stuff. But what's scary 
is one, he legit could be the GOP nominee, mm-hmm. which means in Ohio, he could win. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. Yep. Um, I'm just thinking, like, if a Muslim congresswoman said anything oh, boy. that uh, explosive, it would be nonstop coverage. Uh, um, and I, that didn't even cross my desk. That's a... So, uh, so That's yeah, cool. Trumpism and evangelicalism. Um, I believe this guy is Jewish, maybe, but he's also Christian nationalist somehow. I don't know how that works. Wait, 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 really? This, I don't remember. This boy who just said the thing about lack of separation of church and state, he's Jewish? I, does he is, think that, what does he think that means for him then? I don't, listen, I don't pretend to know a lot about Judaism. There's but, an article from 2017, Josh Mandel's strange Jewish journey to Trump land. Oh, so this guy just has no principles at none, all. I think that's whatsoever. what I'm kind of leaning on to. That's not great. Since you mentioned David Barton, let's talk about David him. Barton. Do you He's really on, have a story for him? Boom. Yeah. Holy shit. I got all all the Jessica <laughs> hits covered. <laughs> Mercury's in retrograde or whatever. <laughs> it's not David Barton. It's his son, Tim, who is a clone. Yeah. Of David. So David Barton, Christian pseudo-historian who makes up American history and says they were all Christian yeah. and they wanted theocracy, but they didn't call it. Whatever. Don't tell him about the Jefferson Bible. His teeny tiny head will explode. Yes. He has a son, Tim Barton, who mm-hmm. knows as Tim, much as Tim, his father. Tim Barton, the director of Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, very close to that. Um, They were talking about Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> who recently adopted twins with his partner, oh. taking like eight or 12 weeks yeah, off. Yeah, paternity leave. Paternity leave, which, by the way, was a working paternity leave. Yeah. Yeah, of course it was. Because he's the fucking... Secretary of Transportation. Also, like, oh boy, you know what I heard get get trotted out for the first time in genuinely like 10 years? I heard somebody say, oh, Pete Buttigieg took the like paternity leave. I guess that means he's the wife. And I was like, I forgot that used to be a thing. Do you remember that like 90s homophobia that was like, oh, I don't hate gay people, but which one of you is the wife? Which one's the husband? And we're like, (laughs) that's humor, ladies and gentlemen. And it's really fun to see these oldies get trotted out sometimes. Oh, man, I miss Fox News late night comedy shows. (laughs) Garfield or whatever. Is that his name? Yeah, sure. Exclamation point in the Garfield font? <laughs> yes. So that's, they were complaining about Buttigieg yes, having sorry. paternity leave. Mm-hmm. But here's, besides the homophobia, I'm skipping over the low-key, low-hanging low, low uh, hanging fruit okay. jo- uh, jokes. But here's what Tim Barton said about paternity leave. Now, paternity leave. Jesus, it's I'm one, just... It's one thing to be on a maternity leave, right? When a mom has a baby and her body has to physically recover, and then she's taking care of the baby, and there's nurturing involved in the baby, and like, right? Maybe At least dad he acknowledged may, that. <laughs> maybe dad needs to be home for a couple days to help take care of mom. Two, what? Two, her... two men, neither of whom physically birthed the child, have been on paid leave. Dot, dot, dot. Sounds like Dave Burton was a real cool dad who was really involved in his sweet good son's life, and yeah. he's certainly not trying to follow in his dad's footsteps to get that approval. He, he never he got in a straight. You just had a baby, husband and wife, and you. If it's <sighs> fine for a dad to take a couple days off to help out mom. And then well, he's got to go You're back fine. to the cigar store to, to restock his supply, you know? That takes a couple days. Like, I was working from home because that's what I do. Yeah. But, like, I was working from home 
didn't have technically a leave. Yeah. But I was home. And like for whatever, three, I mean, it's going on several years now. Yeah. You're where still involved in the raising I'm, of these children. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Like it was a, it was a couple of months of, all right, we're, who's sleeping tonight? Yeah. Yep. All right. I'll stay up with this one. Mm-hmm. Fine. Like it's a lot of work. Um, the oh, idea it's not a lot of work if you don't put any work into it. <laughs> and that's the key that but these yeah. men have figured out. I mean, just setting aside the bigotry, the idea that, you know, in normal families, dad takes a couple of days off and that's all you need. No wonder you don't need paid leave, whatever. By the way, so I had to look this up because I didn't know the answer. Uh-huh. Does Tim Barton have any kids of his own? He does. He has two of them. That's shocking. What did he do when these things were born? Are their names like Liberty and Ammo? <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> Oh, man. I usually don't. I try not to laugh at my own very good jokes. And yet, and yet here we are. They're just too funny for me. So just to be clear, the party, <laughs> the, the family values people yes. are very upset that mm-hmm. a new father took an official paid leave and isn't it- to take care of his adopted kids. It is like a Christian <sighs> right dream come true that someone adopted kids and said, I need to take off works because I want to be there for my partner. Ugh. But because he's gay, it doesn't count. It's not good. No, I honestly, the, uh, oh God, the fact that they still pretend they're the family values bullshit party is so fucking sad. It's so pathetic. And, and the funny thing about this is it's not even about, usually it's about women and this is just, like, I guess, usually it's like women, well, they shouldn't be working anyway, so family leave shouldn't be a thing. Seems to me to be the, like, the hypothesis of, like, that that runs the whole through line, right? Well, it doesn't matter. You shouldn't be working anyway, right. so yes. get ba- who gives a fuck? I'm not going to pay, you know, I'm not going to give you any moment. That to, like, has been an argument they've made right now with the, the yeah. Biden bills, which is, why do they need paid leave? The mom's going to be at home anyway. I hate these people with everything I have mm-hmm. in me. And it's quite a lot. I think we've learned over our years together. Him and yes. I have much hate to give. And guess what? It's getting focused up. And Kristen Cinema, guess what? Yeah, we loved your denim vest, but you no, don't get no, to do no, that didn't. right don't now. Don't drag me into your denim vest. First of all, I liked that denim vest. I can't wear a denim vest. Yes, I'm jealous of Kirsten Cinema for wearing, being able to pull off a denim vest where I never could. However, you have taken (laughs) medical attention away from mothers. You have taken the sense of well-being away from families. Free community college, that's gone thanks to her. Between her and Joe Manchin, I swear to fucking God, it's like they they know. We know. We know how to fix this. We know how to make the world a better place. And we're like, fuck it. I hate it. Here's what annoys me the most right now. It's that... I think I've heard someone else say this. 100% of Republicans oppose all of this shit. Right. 99% of Democrats support all of this. It's those two who are pretty much the problem. It's literally those two human beings. And yet, most of the public and a whole bunch of media outlets are like, Democrats. Dems in disarray. Yeah. They're blaming Democrats for not getting shit done, which is so not the issue going on here. It's a couple of people who deserve to be called out. Yes, Yes. they're Democrats. 
please call them out. And I, but to pretend like Republicans have no, like no one's going after Susan Collins or right. Murkowski. I do. Or anybody. I, I think that's such a good point because I've seen a lot of shit on Twitter and understandably so of like the jerk off motion vote blue no matter who. And yes, yes, everybody has every every fucking door I knocked, you know, leading up to the election was to make sure I can get mothers fucking four weeks to spend with their newborn babies because what the fuck else should we be caring about as a society we should take care of babies i thought we all agreed on this but so i get it i get that it's deeply and fundamentally frustrating that these two democrats are holding up all this shit and i do wish them both ill <laughs> i i hope they but have you can't i hope their stakes are always overcooked like not enough that they can send it back but enough that like they'll <laughs> never enjoy a good meal again that i want these specific. i want everything to be a little bit too salty for them for the i want them to feel slightly hungover forever however if we replaced those two, right. I, I do right. i am not convinced that another democrat like can Joe win Manchin, in west virginia yeah, it's not gonna happen and, and i don't know about arizona's politics well uh, enough it's very confusing to me at this point cinema's there till 24 there's a republican governor you're not getting rid of her either and again right now here's don't if anything else happened if you didn't have those two in power right now mm-hmm. nothing would be happening for anything that's what i'm saying um so like, you need them there for any chance. And by the way, they have passed some stuff, uh, like the, right. the COVID bill and right. things like that. And they might get something done here, even if it's not right. everything I want. Um, but also, there are options. I know it's a hard race. I don't want to talk about the next year's elections and stuff. I actually cannot but physically talk about they elections. they are basically making a case, Cinema Mansion, are making a case for why in states when you can elect an actually progressive mm-hmm. uh, Democrat, like, you got to get that shit done. And I've seen candidates, Democrats, who are running, who are like, their entire slogan is, I would be your 51st vote. That's their primary message yeah. to Democrats. It's a smart one. And, you know, it's so fire. Crescent Cinema, Joe Manchin, they could be heroes. They could be. I know. They, and they're just choosing If not she wants to. attention, you could have good she attention. She truly if is, you wanted. is. They are both choosing the most cowardly way out. They're fucking senators. You have a six- year slot of time you're you're not a congressperson where you have to worry about re-election every two years jesus have some fucking integrity and some backbone and say listen west virginia i understand that maybe like this isn't the shit you think you want but like i want to as soon as those people start getting like you know, like we, we saw with Medicare for All. People hate it. Or not Medicare for All. That's the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act. Oh, people hate it. People hate it. And then you get Until they get used to it, then they like and it. And then, oh my God, they not fucking like it. Like that's it. the wrong word. So they They're used, used to it to, and they would get mad if you took it away from them. They get used to being able to go to a doctor when they're yeah. sick in the richest country in the fucking world. But like, but that, I mean, he has, they have this opportunity. And I'm not saying that, Whatever. I, they have this opportunity to say, like, listen, I'm going to do big good, and if that means that if that means that I don't get to be here for 12 years, I only get to be here for six years. I I'm going to predict this right now. Cinema's uh, not running again. She'll either go. Oh, because rich, she's going to be busy lobbyists. jumping up my ass and dying. That too. 
Um, yeah, and she'll not retire in a and take some. Way. She'll she'll take some other position somewhere where she'll make money and never have to. She'll pull like a Jeff Flake. She'll be an ambassador totally, to somewhere. Totally, totally, totally. So that's her future. I don't think she's running again because she knows she doesn't. So care. all she's doing is making life worse for people. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. Yeah. She's and the maybe worst. you can convince her on some stuff, but uh, overall, like whatever. It's not like she has friends she's got to impress or anything. I don't know. Um, let me jump to this before we forget this. I want to make sure I find this somewhere. Okay, well, you write things there down, so we're not worried about you forgetting uh, things. New survey from yeah. the Pew Research Center was about church-state separation, and here's the question. Uh, what do Americans think about church-state separation? Should the government declare the U.S. a Christian nation? What percent of Americans said we should declare this a Christian nation? What are you saying to me right now? That's the um, question. I don't know, 50%? 15, relatively low. Wow. I know. Mm. And six, I choked on my own. I wow, I was so surprised. 69% nice. said, yep, never declare any religion an official religion of the U.S. Well, so, that makes me feel, I'm sorry, yeah, you conducted so, this? Uh, Pew Research Center. Oh, so it's Pew, all right. It's good. Um, I'm like... Okay, that sounds good. But then I thought, you know what? Even people like David Barton, even all the Christian nationalists, mm-hmm. most of them, all the pastors, they would say, I want it to be a Christian nation. I want us to go back to the foundations of our country, which mm-hmm. were all Christian all the time. But I don't want a theocracy. Like, they're the first ones who would be like, I don't want this declared a Christian nation. We should just be one. So I, I was optimistic for about a second. And then yeah. I'm like, well... All right, I don't know what to read into that. Then they said, federal government should enforce separation of church and state. Yes or no? 54% of Americans said, yeah, enforce separation of church and state. That's alarmingly low. Yeah. 19% oppose that. The rest of them don't know anything. Uh, Didn't want to answer the question, whatever. So it's a majority of Americans say, yeah, I I want to enforce it. Yes, not high enough, but it's something. But then here's where it gets even weirder. Then they asked, like, should public school teachers lead students in Christian prayer? So an example of whether we have church-state separation, right? Uh-huh. Um, 46% said no. 30% said, yeah, that's fine. Teachers leading kids in Christian prayers in school. So, well. like... Even though they're opposed to church-state separation... Well, that's like. Not- and right. then, how about this? Cities and towns should have religious symbols on public property. Oh, or they my should God. be allowed to do it. Oh, they pretty, love that shit. Pretty clear example of how we don't have church state separation mm-hmm. if they're doing that, mm-hmm. like the giant cross mm-hmm. in Maryland or something. 39% said, yeah, I'm fine with that. And 35% said no. So all these Are people... Are you trying to tell me that these people don't understand what the separation of church and state means? Thank you. Yes, that's the moral of the story. These all these kooks. people are like, I think I'm against it. Well, what about this application Unless you of agree it? with me. Yeah. Then they're like, oh, well, I'm fine with, like, teachers leading prayers and putting giant crosses and nativity scenes on public property. Mm-hmm. Oh, but I'm against... I, I'm all for church-state separation. Like, there are definitely people who said they support separation... And support religious symbols on public property and stuff. What I'm saying is Americans are really dumb. I think that's the moral of that story. I, yeah, I think it's most people, um, but but yeah. Uh, is it my turn for my, sure, go my, for my sports rant? Sports rant. Uh, so Hemet's going to feel right at home. Okay, um, so 
there has been a uh, a topic that's been floating around in my periphery that I chose to ignore for a long time and um, finally came to head yesterday, and I just wanted to talk about some thoughts that I have about it. Um, so I, uh, Hemet, I'm from, Hemet and I are both from Chicago. Hemet and I are both equally avid sports fans, right, Hemet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but All in, the sports balls. Oh, my God, love the sports balls. Um, I... Um, Moved back to Chicago, started dating my now husband at a time when the Blackhawks were winning Stanley Cups every other year, which is a very fun uh, thing to be around. Um, and we, it brought this city together in this really cool way. Um, we just, Coach Q, Coach Quinville, Joel Quinville, he lived in Hinsdale. He was like the cool guy. He had a mustache. It's very iconic. Um it was a young teen, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, like all these boys, Duncan Keith, you know, the older guys. But it was a fun team to watch. It was a fun um, moment to be a part of in Chicago history. Um, and then I learned uh, recently, as as did most of us learn, <clears throat> if, if you're paying attention to this, um, there was a, a young player um who for a uh, for a long time we have known him only as as John Doe or I think John Doe one uh, his name is Kyle Beach he was a, a Blackhawk center in 2010 which was leading up to their first um, Stanley Cup victory um, Kyle Beach was uh, sexually assaulted by um, uh, video coach Brad Aldrich I don't know what video coach means I'm sure it's when they watch their video right. playback and, and they have to learn from their mistakes yeah. or yeah. learn what the other people are doing I think it sounds like a stupid job title um, anyway this dude sexually assaulted uh, this young man and Kyle Beach was not a it was not a tape so it was not a cane he was not one of our it wasn't Keith he wasn't sharp he wasn't one of our big name players um, and he uh, Aldrich, the uh, the coach, said it was consensual. Beach said no, Hella wasn't. Apparently, um, Aldrich threatened Beach, saying, "You know, nobody will believe you." Um, he ha- he said, um, Aldrich told Beach he would never play in the NH- NHL or walk again if he didn't quote act like he enjoyed the sexual encounter. Um, a couple days later, so this is May, uh, 2010, a couple days later, Beach talks to a different coach. Um, Beach is the victim, uh, talks to a different coach. They, uh, run it up the flagpole, um, and was ignored. Um, all the head coaches, the GMs, it was brought to them. They had a meeting about it. We know this now. And everybody, including... Coach Q, Joel Quinville, our, like, substitute dad for those years, saw it, knew about it, and thought, well, my boys are doing good. I don't want to interrupt their Stanley Cup win. And you know what? They won that year. So, like, I guess. So Aldridge gets, I don't know if you've heard this story before, he gets moved. He, oh, well, excuse me. First, he assaults a, an intern, a 22-year-old team intern that was also, um, uh, made aware of by the human resource team. Um, and then he get Aldrich gets, oh, don't worry. If you're worried, did Aldrich get his name engraved on the Stanley Cup after sexually assaulting That's one of the players? Yeah, it's super I saw was. a picture that on the Stanley Cup, his name was engraved on the Stanley because Cup. if you don't know hockey, the Stanley Cup is a series of rings that continually gets passed up. Um, and eventually they go, they're sort of the Toronto um, National Hockey Hall of Fame, which I've been to. And it has every, 
not just every player, but, and I don't know exactly what the staff level is, but coaches for sure. Um, So his name was engraved on that. He was eventually um, released from the Blackhawks, uh, ended up taking a... um, um, a job at, at the University of Miami, uh, University, the Miami University in Ohio, Miami University yeah, of Ohio in Ohio. Um, he was the director of hockey operations in 2012, and he um, assaulted two kids there. So that brings us to... So I have not followed this story closely, but if I have this right, he's assaulting players on the Blackhawks, Mm -hmm. assaulting interns on the Blackhawks. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows he's doing it Mm because it's been reported. Mm -hmm. They don't do anything about Mm -hmm. it because they're winning. So what does he do? So then he goes to a college Uh and continues everything. Mm -hmm. And they could have stopped him earlier, but they didn't. Hey, I wish I was at the end of the story because guess what? He couldn't really work in college anymore because of all the sexual assaulting. So he moved down to the high school level what he did there let me guess let yeah. me guess yeah everything the same mm-hmm. uh-huh all the same uh september 2013 Jesus. the police start to get involved oh, good. the hey. blackhawks stonewall them uh-huh um eventually however fucking fine and i'm sorry i want to be clear about this the uh the cops were going after sexual assault charges on this high school player were going after Aldrich, went to the Black House and said, what the fuck do you know about this guy? And they're like, what? He's a great guy. Uh-huh. Or said nothing. Yeah. So that brings us to 2014. He was eventually sentenced to jail. No thanks to okay. the Blackhawks. Um, and that brings us to this year. Yeah, so what happened now that this guy's in the news and the Blackhawks are in a shitstorm? So in May, um, uh, somebody at the time, an unknown player... Um, known as John Doe One, filed lawsuit against uh, filed a lawsuit against the the Hawks, not for the sexual assault, but for their inability to take any action about uh-huh. it. Um, and then suddenly, it's so weird because May he files this lawsuit, and then suddenly in June, the Blackhawks were like, "We're going to do an independent internal investigation." <laughs> um. So yeah. Okay. So. Th- the rest of it is a lot of people are getting let go. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Bowman and McIsaac, who are two member higher ups, I don't care. They They're, step yeah. down. Um, they These I, are I, like managers or like that level of mm-hmm. staffer ownership. This is like the general manager, yeah. things like that. Um, Blackhawks CEO Danny Wirtz, who also owns Wirtz Beverages, I don't know, is like. His dad owned the uh, owned the Blackhawks. Forever. His dad was almost sunk the Blackhawks because he believed that if you put hockey on TV, nobody would come That's up to right. see games. Right. So the fucking second that old man dropped dad, his son was like, "Guess what's back, nerds? Like right. we're gonna be watching." And it was HGTV for the first time, which explains why I left Chicago in 2004, came back in 20, not 2009, and all of a sudden, everybody think, was in the Hawks again? I think the Blackhawks were, at some point, when Bill Wirtz was the owner, were like, the worst franchise in America Terrible by some... franchise. Some sort of and, 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 and an original 18, like a historic... It was... It could very easily I mean, not have been the worst franchise because they had everything going for them. Because it's Chicago. We yeah. are, if nothing else, a sports Wait, so city. so this guy's Our son takes over. Our shit is about sports and pizza. What? So guy's son takes over. They win Stanley Cups. Win Stanley he's, Cups. He's got to be aware of all the stuff that's going on. Is he? Um, did he step down? The report is both disturbing and difficult to read. Uh, it speaks for itself. Um, Blackhawks owner Rocky Wirtz, so that would be his his... 
I don't know the family tree. No, Rocky works as a dad. I don't, he must have died right around 2010. Like he, um, our leadership team reviewed the report. We have important and difficult conversations about how our organization will move forward. Um, so the NHL finds the Blackhawks $2 million, which is okay. jerk-off motion uh-huh. money. <clears throat> um, Bowman apparently was supposed to be the general manager for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Uh-huh. He stepped down from that. Um, and then just, I think yesterday, um, uh, Beach came forward as John Doe. He's now 31. Um, he said it was a day of many emotions. Uh, I cried. I smiled. I laughed. I cried some more. My girlfriend and I, we really didn't know how to feel. We because, don't know how to think. Because he was outed. At, he chose to out himself oh, okay. as, as John Doe one. Okay. Um, I, I think from, so the anonymity is gone in that. Well, even before he came forward officially, um, from what I read, reports were really fucking specific to the point of like giving his, they said he was a center. They gave his height and weight <laughs> yeah. and like, listen, Easy to find. there's, there's a finite number of black Hawks around. Right. Um, so, so that happened um, yesterday is when I found out that Coach Q, who I cannot stress enough, was like... God, I if, know if, who Coach Q anybody, is, and I don't follow hockey at all. If anybody grew up in a sports town, you're Ditka's. You're yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, like these... You know the these, coaches of these teams. Phil Jackson. Like, these are classic... Like, Joel Madden's going to be that forever, unless he fucks up again. Mm-hmm. Joel Quinville was this guy. So this, I found out this yesterday, uh, and then around the same time is when when Beach outed himself, um, which I think is incredibly brave. And boy, I don't know if I could have done the same thing in his position, but but I have Man, not... to sit with that for as long as he did too. For I mean, it's ten yeah. years ago. Like, yeah. To listen, I know what it is to live with sexual assault. I don't know what it is to live with a sexual assault followed by a franchise cover up. So I can't imagine he's been doing great mentally when somebody says, Hey, this team winning a game is more important than you being sexually assaulted. That can't feel super great when you've spent your entire life trying to be a hockey player. Then yesterday, which is, I think for some reason why I wanted to bring it up. This is not, has nothing to do with the religion. Obviously it's patriarchal more than anything else, but, um, Taze and Kane, and T- Jonathan Taves was 19 in 2010. I think he was the the ca- mm-hmm. the, uh, the captain. Everybody, this this young man, he gets it. He's got it. He's got it. He's a leader. He's a natural born leader. He was the fucking captain of a original hockey team. Like the yeah, he was somebody who was to be respected. Kane's always been an idiot. He punched a uh, a cabbie if I remember right. So he's always been a dick. But he. Is a very good hockey player, so people give him a lot of space because people are nightmares. Anyway, these two people who have been on the Blackhawks, who are no longer 19-year-old kids, who are adults who have seen how shit rolls, are aware of what this man has gone on to, uh, to do after leaving the Hawks. Both of these spineless, yellow-livered motherfuckers give this milk toast. He did so much for the franchise, oh, and God. he did so much for me personally. I'm sorry to hear about whatever happened, but I don't feel comfortable saying anything. <laughs> and, man, I think that made me done with sports. I think I have officially decided sports are nothing 
they're toxic. They are systems that just set up places for men to get drunk and fight and assault people and then it all get covered up. I just, what are we doing? Why do I care if fucking Anthony Rizzo, another one of my like sports heroes, was an anti-vaxxer in the right. end? Jay Hay, Jason Hayward. He gave this inspiring speech. Have you heard the story, Hammett? The inspiring speech he gave in the 10th inning during the reign of the 2016 World Series gave this speech. Let's go out there and do it, boys. And they fucking did it. And then five years later, he's like, "Mm, I don't think I believe in COVID shots because I'm a center fielder. So I guess what I'm saying is, what are we doing as a society? See, this is why you should just follow politics like me. You follow college basketball. That's worse. Those kids are straight (laughs) up getting taken advantage of. So you sleep with that, Hammond. (laughs) Anyway, I gave away, today I made a uh, Goodwill donation. I gave, genuinely, like, gave away all of my Cubs gear. I I have a hat, my Cubs hat, that I have worn for 14 years. I need to find... I am do- I'm fucking done. I am no longer going to pretend that like me being a Cubs fan is a personality type and that <laughs> strangers will like me more if I know that Anthony was an anti-vaxxer and I can tell them about that interview. Like these, I've invested my life in these dumb sports. And for what? To watch a 19-year-old kid become a millionaire and then 10 years later be like, oh, that guy who sexually assaulted somebody... I don't know. I don't know what problem you have with him. He was a real good hockey coach. We watched video great. He did slow down in the best way. I'm done. I am done pretending that because you're good at throwing a ball, we're going to listen to your political opinions. I'm fucking done with it. I am done with it all. So that is my rant about sports. I'm, I, I'm, I know I only sound angry. I'm deeply sad. This is a thing I've done with my dad for my entire life. I we used to go to bars in Chicago. It's I I cannot I I've stopped following football years and years ago for moral reasons. I think I'm just done with sports. There was an article that came out today. I think it was in a place called Dame magazine, but it was about what happens not cancel culture, but like if you genuinely love something, someone, mm-hmm. and then they have this fall from grace. Yep. It's like, yeah, what do you do when I can't watch Chappelle anymore? Or yep. I can't listen to like a Louis C.K. thing and I used to really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I can't watch the Blackhawks play. Um, yeah, that's happening in a lot of ways right now where you have to reassess, mm-hmm. not heroes, but people like I just genuinely liked and it was a fun part of my life. And now I can't enjoy it the same way. And like this was it's fun look, to watch something so non-critically. Much, and yeah, that's there's not so much anymore. shit. Everywhere, and mm. this was a place that I just looked forward to. And it's sad when that disappears. Listen, I don't need Taves to be some sort of like radical feminist humanitarian for me to think he's an okay dude. Like, literally, the bar is hey, if somebody you know raped somebody else, probably say that person's a bad guy, right? Like, I don't know, man. Like, do you want a happy story to end on? Oh, I thought we were done. I'm wound down, I don't no, think I have any okay. emotions left in me. Uh, just one story. I, I crossed out the rest of them, but this one was good. Um, there were uh, a couple of hikers in Vancouver, uh, maybe earlier this month. It's a place called Golden Ears Provincial Park in Vancouver. Mm. A couple of hikers. Golden mu- Ears. Yeah. I've never heard that. But they were hiking, and they must have gotten to a part of the trail that's way too close to the river, 
and like hard currents. Okay. And like, it's dangerous. Don't go down there. I'm sure they had signs saying, don't go here. Mm -hmm. They went there Mm. and now they're stuck. And now they can't get up again because they can't get a foothold into wherever they need. And it's not looking good. Okay. All of a sudden, these five Sikh guys, guys with turbans on their heads, walk by and they see what's happening. And they don't know if anyone's called the cops. They know their phone reception's not very good, so they can't do it. And here's the thing. If you're Sikh, you're not supposed to take your turban off in public. Um, that's one of the rules of the faith. You do it in, it's like a, a Islamic woman with mm-hmm. a burqa or something. You can do it indoors. Is it a modesty thing? Is that, uh, I do don't you think modesty, uh, don't ask me specifics, okay. but they're not supposed to do it but in public. But you're brown, you're supposed know, to know all of the brown things. I know, but it's a different brown, I know. So, <laughs> what did they do when they saw these two guys? They took off their turbans, they and unraveled them, they made them. a rope ladder, and I, I guess one of the guys who was not involved in the direct helping with the rope ladder took mm-hmm. video of this, but they did not post it anywhere. I was going to say. Um, they just took it because like, hey, my buddies are here, and we're, we're glad these guys are okay. And they did get them to a point of safety. And it turned out the police or whatever version of it in the park had been called or knew about this somehow. They were making their way there. But by the time they arrived, everything was okay. The guys were already safe. Um, And this week, uh, the reason I know about this is this week, uh, whatever local uh, Royal Canadian Mountie police people. RCMP. Yeah. They honored the five guys and just honored their bravery. And just gave them a public thank you for what they did. One of the uh, superintendent uh, types said... So the two young men were in danger of drowning. Your quick thinking and your heroic actions undoubtedly saved the lives of those men. Dot, dot, dot. One of the guys, uh, one of the Sikh guys said, you know, in these matters, we don't really care if it's religious or not. It's a person's life. Mm -hmm. We can save it. We can tie the turban again as many times as we want. But that life, we can't bring it back. And just they're willing to put decency over dogma. Uh, which is, yeah, that's what you should do. And yeah. I was trying to think, is there any parallel to what, I don't know, a conservative Christian that we're talking about all these shows? Like, what would they do? That's their version of, this goes against my beliefs. Yeah. But um, it would help you. And so I want to help you instead. And I feel like I have heard. abortion care would be the best thing <laughs> I, I could think of, of like, so, oh, you're, you were raped and impregnated by a person. And I'm you need going help. to, yeah, and you need help. And those stories are few and far between. Well, I'm thinking, like, if even, they exist at all, <laughs> yeah. And I, so it's, yeah, these guys did something amazing. I I'm glad they got another... some credit for it. By the way, I should say they took video of it. They weren't going to release it. It's only when the cops said, uh, basically, we want to see the video of this and find out what happened. Did that, they like? Is there something about like they wanted to block their? Their head or no, their no, hair or whatever. No, they were just taking videos of the guys grabbing the rope from underneath oh, and pulling up. Oh, I see, up. I see. So I thought it was like they took it. a video of the whole thing, but they didn't want to share video with their No, they were just like, we're not going to post off. this, like, look at how awesome sure. we are. I mean, I um, would, but so. I guess that makes Sikhs better than me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. We get we uh, frequently get the... Um, we have so many conservative Christians who are like, what? You're going to get in the way of something I want? <laughs> uh, no, all the world can die in a pandemic. What if I murder you instead? Yeah, I'm not going to wear a mask. And like they make up their own rules. Oh yeah, they're not even saying this is a dogmatic no, thing. God just like, always said he God hated masks. Yeah, That's God, why there's no Christian doctors. God doesn't want any Christians to wear masks. He created our face. Oh, what a fucking idiot mm. that hypothetical person is. Um, oh boy. I'm yeah, I, I I think we we often get a criticism that like oh you only bag on Christians or whatever, which is true. <laughs> 
But also, it's because... because we live Sikhs, here. But also, Sikhs don't pull this kind of bullshit. Right. I always want to tell a nice story about religious <laughs> people being good about in, in, within the confines of their religion, unless there's an ulterior motive, which there almost yeah, always seems right. to be. But, like, that's a great story. Right, I love right. that story. Uh, there, there. I ended your day on a good note. Great. I have two quick updates vis-a-vis that Planned Parenthood story that I took, oh, yeah. co- told a couple weeks ago. Yes. First of all, I got so wrapped up in telling that story that I forgot the, like, the coda at the end of it, which was when I was turning to leave, or maybe I did tell this already, never mind. Um, basically, the woman I told the woman, like, they should, did I say this, that I focused, I was like, if you want to stop abortions, you should focus on uh, sex education and contraception. Did, did we I not? don't remember if you said that or okay, not. Okay, okay, I, I thought I, I left this out because I was, like, so really, like, I felt like I really nailed the ending and then I forgot there was more to the story. Um, so I, I pulled around, I was getting ready to leave, and these women were walking back and forth. Across. Essentially, I stopped to yell at some women who were protesting outside of Planned Parenthood, uh, and then I played a lot of loud music. It was great. Um, I pulled up, and I was like, hey, if you guys are worried about abortions, you should worry about, like, sex education and access to contraception. And they're like, everything is preventable via abstinence. And oh. Hemet, I got to look a woman dead in her eyes and say... <laughs> tell it to my rapist and i felt and then she's like i'm so sorry that happened to you and i was like no you're not and i sped away it was really delightful but and caveat number two on that is i once again had to go to uh, that mariano's today because i'm uh making a charcuterie plate um it's the whitest sentence yeah i know and you would be able to take the riches of my charcuterie plate if you're coming to my halloween party on saturday <laughs> But I went back, and today, what's the weather like today, Hammett? Raining all fucking day, 50 degrees, just drizzly and miserable. And these motherfuckers are still out there. (laughs) I took, as I was leaving the Marianos, I I took a video to, like, show the um, kind of layout of what was going (laughs) on. And then those motherfuckers were still there in her big-ass golf umbrella. (laughs) Anyway, uh, those people are monsters, and I did roll my window down because there was water on my window, so I rolled the window down and flicked them off and made, like, the biggest smile I could make. You? I hope so. I think in their heart they could <laughs> feel, like, part of my spirit. I was trying to plan on, like, can I do a big drive-by thing, but I just went for, like, the classic flip them a bird and drive away with nice. my trunk full of charcuterie. <laughs> Where do we find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter at Jess Bloomke. Um, if you are looking for a present of some kind, um, maybe for the upcoming holiday season, um, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. I've actually gotten a few really cool um, uh, orders from listeners lately. Usually, just for your information, usually I don't take orders past the end of November for Christmas. And if I fill up, I have to stop because these take me between four and 20 hours to make each. So if you're interested in getting something for Christmas, I would say do it sooner rather than later because I have, I'm not going to stress myself out this holiday season. I'm closing those doors as soon as they, as soon as I feel overwhelmed. Um, you can always email us at friendly at at gmail.com. Um, Patreon.com slash friendly podcast. Hammett, where can we find you? Uh, friendly Go to Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, congratulations. Um, Facebook named itself after you. I know. I, yes. if anybody hasn't it's heard about yet. about time I took over that place. The umbrella company that owns Facebook 
and Instagram and whatever, they renamed themselves Meta. And I was in Target when I got that push alert and like yell laughed and immediately <laughs> text him in all caps like, ah, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> so if you're, if you're wondering what it's like to be friends with me, it's a lot of all caps text yes. making fun of me. I believe what I wrote back was Zuck you. Which was very good. It was a good pun. I cannot imagine I'm the first person you've had to tell that to today. Only the ninth. (laughs) All right. So we'll see you (laughs) next week. Bye. Bye.